there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 151. And today, I want to share some exciting news with you. I want to tell you about my new unschooling book, which I have just published. It's called Curious Unschoolers. You might know that it has taken me years and years to finish this book. There were many times when I didn't think that I would actually finish it, but I did. It is now available on Amazon as a print book and it's also available on Kindle. You might already know about my book and how it's been published if you've been following along on my blog or on Instagram. Yes, I've posted in both those places about my book and also about the second unschooling book that I'm writing, Radical Unschool Love. And that one also is almost finished. A lot of people have stopped by and left me very encouraging comments about my book. It it has been so lovely. Everybody has been very excited for me. A lot of my friends have stopped by and have told me that they have ordered my book. And then they stopped by again and said that their book had arrived and that they were reading it. A few days ago, I published this on Instagram. I said, I was telling my husband Andy about my brilliant friends. It was wonderful how everyone got excited when they heard I was about to publish my unschooling book. Then I announced the book is available and they ordered copies and couldn't wait for them to arrive. Now they're reading my book. Are they enjoying your book? Are they still excited? Asked Andy. He grinned and added, Or is it now time for you to delete your account and disappear? I do hope I won't have to make a quick getaway. I rather like connecting with my friends here on Instagram. Writing a book is a bit nerve-wracking. Will my book live up to everyone's expectations? Will people like it? Selling words is totally different to giving them away for free. But it's more adventurous. We have to be brave, don't we? Go out there and do daring things. Live life fully. Use our talents. Follow our dreams. Be an example for our kids. I guess writing a book about unschooling is a very unschooling thing to do. Yes, so I've published my book. People are reading it. And I'm hoping that they are enjoying it. Well, I know somebody enjoyed my book because I found a review of my book on Goodreads. And it was written by a person called Lauren. She said, If you're a progressive mum, but the word unschooling still makes you cringe, this is the book for you. So, 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 so good. I will read this again and again. As you can imagine, that review made me smile. Yeah, I smiled for hours after that. As I said in that Instagram post, writing books is nerve-wracking. After taking so long to write the book, does it live up to everybody's expectations? A few people have asked me if there will be an audio book version of my book. And I would like to do that. Unfortunately, I can't afford to hire a professional reader, and that's a stumbling block. Some authors narrate their own books, and this is quite popular, but I'm not sure that I have the right skills for doing that. 
But what I'm going to do is to read out the first part of my book today. That's what this podcast is all about. I'm going to share the first few stories of my book. Read it in my own voice, obviously. And you can give me some feedback. Tell me whether you like my stories. Tell me whether you can understand my stories. Tell me if I did an okay job reading them out. I don't suppose it matters if I don't do a good job, because it will still give you an idea of what's inside my book. I'm going to share the same sample of my book that's available on Kindle for free. If you read Kindle books, you will know that you can download a free sample of any book that you are considering buying. So I'm going to just read out what's available on Kindle. I shall be sharing the first three sections of my book. Part one, an introduction, which includes the stories, something important, the friend who comes to tea, just in case we're not already friends, a book of stories. And then there's part two, an introduction to unschooling. What is unschooling? Why unschooling isn't a method of homeschooling. Does unschooling work? And then part three, what does unschooling look like? What is unschooling all about? How unschooling differs from school learning? Is unschooling just living life? The curriculum of life? And a typical unschooling day? That's quite a few stories there in the sample, but my book is very long. It's a nice big thick book, and I think there's 22 sections to it all, 22 parts. So even sharing three parts with you today, there's plenty more of my book for you to read if you like what you hear and you would like to get a copy of my book. Yeah, and read it for yourself. And that's what I hope you'll do. So, on to my book. Curious Unschoolers Have you ever thought about the word curious? Depending on how we use it, it could mean marked by a desire to investigate and learn. Or it might mean exciting attention as strange, novel or unexpected. So do curious unschoolers have a desire to investigate or are they strange, odd or eccentric people who excite attention? Or could both be true? Part 1. An Introduction Something Important I've got something very important to share with you. I want to tell you about unschooling, what it is, and how it has changed our family's life, and why I think everyone should do it. I'm passionate about unschooling. I hope my words are going to make you feel excited about it too. If you're already unschooling, maybe you'll relate to my stories. If you're feeling alone in a crowd of people taking the more conventional path, you might be thinking, are the critics right? Are we crazy because we unschool? Will you find it reassuring to hear that we're a bit crazy too? A good kind of crazy. Yes, we're not like everyone else, but that's okay. 
Actually, I think being different is a good way to be. And if you haven't yet set out on your unschooling adventure, I hope that when you arrive at the last page of this book, you will say, Hey, I want my family to be unschoolers too. So what am I going to tell you? Will I say, unschool and everything will be wonderful? Will my stories convince you that my family is living a perfect life? No, my kids aren't perfect. I'm not a perfect mother. And life isn't one long and exciting and enjoyable adventure just because we unschool. Then why am I writing about unschooling if it isn't a perfect way of life? Am I just another voice in the crowd? Are we all shouting about how we've found the best way to live when none of us has? Or is unschooling truly a way of life that is different from everything else? I believe unschooling is different because it's all about unconditional love. I want to show you how choosing to unschool will result in a love so powerful it will encourage not only our kids, but us as well, to become the people we are meant to be. Unconditional love. Surely unschooling is all about giving kids the freedom to learn what they like. How do we get from that to love? It's a long story. Or maybe lots of shorter ones. Stories contained in two books. Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. Curious Unschoolers focuses mainly on the educational side of unschooling. And Radical Unschool Love, which I will be publishing very soon, is about the parenting side of unschooling. The two books do overlap a bit because in real life, parenting and education are woven closely together. When Radical Unschool Love is available, I hope you'll read it. Together, my two books will give you the full unschooling picture. The Friend Who Comes to Tea I open my laptop and plug in my mic. After hitting the record button, I say, Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. Soon, I'm pondering ideas and thoughts as I share my family's stories. And although I might look like I'm all alone, speaking to myself, I'm not. I'm chatting to my listeners who will soon be tuning in to my latest unschooling episode. My voice travels all around the world while I stay at home in Australia. Isn't that a fascinating thought? And in this way, I'm with people as they run, walk, fold washing, sweep floors, knit, weave, and drive along in their cars. And I'm also in kitchens, at the table maybe, with tea and biscuits. I'm the friend who comes to tea and chats about unschooling. Sue Elvis comes to my house for tea. Or so I imagine every time I listen to her podcast. And I feel honoured to be invited in and welcomed as a friend. Of course, that's podcasting. 
and this is the book. And although the situation is different, I'd still like to speak to you as a friend. As you read these pages, perhaps you can imagine us sitting around your kitchen table, mugs in our hands, chatting about unschooling together. I am going to share my family and our experiences. We'll ponder ideas and thoughts. Our conversation will go deep and wide. It'll be honest and real. And it'll be flavoured with love and gentleness. I hope that you're going to get excited about the possibilities. I want my words to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to set out on an unschooling adventure of your own. The quoted words come from a podcast review written by Samantha. Just in case we're not already friends. Maybe we're already friends. Perhaps we often sit around the kitchen table chatting about unschooling. But just in case we haven't shared tea and conversation, I'll begin by introducing myself. I'm Sue Elvis, and I'm an Australian unschooling blogger, YouTuber, and podcaster at Stories of an Unschooling Family. I'm married to Andy, who is a loving and supportive husband, an unschooling dad, and a primary school teacher. Andy and I live together with a number of our eight children in a village surrounded by the beautiful Australian bush, somewhere south of Sydney. Our eldest child is Felicity, who was born in 1987, and our youngest is Gemma Rose, who joined our family in 2004. Duncan, Callum, Imogen, Charlotte, Thomas and Sophie fall somewhere in between. Have our kids ever gone to school? No. Have we always been unschoolers? Unfortunately not. We started as unschoolers, but I got distracted. I led my kids down lots of other pathways before we made our way back to where we began, to the place where we belong. You'll find out more about my family and me and our unschooling journey as you read this book. I'm going to share lots of our stories. A book of stories. Stories capture the imagination. They create pictures in our minds. As you read my stories, I hope they'll give you a concrete picture of what unschooling can look like in action. Each story contains a piece of unschooling. Each piece will illustrate some principle or thought or idea. Sometimes the same piece will appear more than once, presented to you from a different angle in a different story. By the time you get to the end of this book, I hope all the pieces fit together like a completed jigsaw puzzle to form a good picture of unschooling. Although I wrote a lot of new stories for this book, I've also included some that I wrote for my Stories of an Unschooling Family blog. I thought about rewriting them, but then decided not to. Maybe they'd lose something if I tried to update them. My excitement, worries, 
joy. Whatever I was feeling at the time when I first rushed to my computer and tapped out my thoughts. These stories capture moments in our unschooling life in a way that's impossible to replicate when writing from a distance. I have included the ages of my children in these older stories to give you a rough idea of where our family was on our unschooling journey at the time of writing. I've arranged my stories according to the subject matter. However, a story may belong to more than one category. Everything overlaps, just like in real life. How should you read this book? You could start at the beginning and read the stories in order. You could head straight to a topic you'd like to know more about. Or you could dip in here and there, reading stories as their titles catch your attention. Any method is good, as long as you read my book. Part 2. An Introduction to Unschooling What is unschooling? Maybe you've heard that unschooling is a method of homeschooling where a child doesn't use a curriculum or a plan put together by a parent. Instead, parents allow their children to learn in their own way what interests them. Parents believe that their kids will learn all that they need to know at a time when they need to know it. That's all true, and that's how I understood unschooling when we first started out many years ago. But since then, I've learnt that unschooling has many layers. Peel off one, and there's another underneath waiting to reveal something else. It's as rich as life itself. Maybe that's because unschooling is about learning from everything we do and experience in life. Life is deep and complicated. So is unschooling. Here are some other things I've discovered about unschooling. Unschooling is about fulfilling our missions in life. We're all born with talents. Everyone has passions and interests. They are part of who we are. Unschooling is about having the freedom to develop those talents and follow our interests so that we can contribute to the world. Unschooling is the way a family lives together. We all learn as we follow our interests and passions. We use and develop our talents. We accept and respect and help each other. We make mistakes and we forgive. We're growing and developing under the influence of unconditional love into the people we're designed to be. Of course, we're not going to become those people in just a few years. It's a lifelong process. While we're learning and accepting and helping and forgiving and loving unconditionally, the bonds between us grow strong. Parents and children become closely connected. And this is important because trust is a fruit of connection. We know and trust our kids. They trust us. Trust is essential. It's the foundation of unschooling. 
Because unschooling is about learning from everything in life, we shouldn't have to separate education from everything else that we experience. There's no need to think in terms of school subjects. In theory, we can forget about homeschooling. In practice, many of us can't. Unfortunately, some families, like ours, have to be legally registered as homeschoolers. This means that we have certain legal requirements to fulfill. So in this book, I'm going to be talking about unschooling, mainly from an educational point of view. Why unschooling isn't a method of homeschooling. Many people think of unschooling as a method of homeschooling. It's one choice among many. We could choose to homeschool our kids in a traditional way and do school at home. Perhaps we might follow the Charlotte Mason method or a classical approach. Maybe we like the idea of notebooking or unit studies. Or we could choose to unschool. But is unschooling actually a method of homeschooling? Could it be something very different? When we first began homeschooling, I didn't think about what method we were going to use. I didn't even realize there were different methods. In those days, there was no internet and few homeschooling books. I didn't have access to much homeschooling information. But that didn't worry me. I just assumed I'd be able to teach my daughter all she needed to know. Hadn't she already learned so much with my help in the first five years of her life? It didn't occur to me that I couldn't homeschool my child successfully. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but I had confidence I'd work it out as we went along. One thing I did know was that we needed some homeschooling friends. I heard about a homeschooling conference and thinking this would be a good place to find like-minded people, we went along. And that's where we heard about unschooling. Suddenly I realized that there was more to homeschooling than I first imagined. Our approach can make a huge difference. Our attitude towards learning can affect our child's. I started thinking carefully about what I wanted for my children. At the conference, I heard that unschooling kids can be trusted to learn all they need to know. All we have to do is not interfere with our child's natural learning process. I came home from that conference feeling inspired. We were going to be unschoolers. After soaking up dozens of stories about kids who were doing amazing things, I was sure ours were going to do similar things too. So we began unschooling our first child, and I couldn't wait to see what she was going to do. But, despite having the freedom to do whatever she liked, nothing much happened. I was very disappointed. How is my daughter ever going to learn all the things essential for a good education if she didn't do anything? Children will learn all they need to know at a time when they need to know it. Is this really true? I began to have doubts. 
After a while, my doubts led to cheating. Instead of letting my child discover the world entirely on her own, I began making suggestions about possible things she might like to learn about. I introduced her to such things as poetry and Shakespeare, and I offered to read her my favourite books. And because she responded well, and was obviously learning from this new way of doing things, I decided it was time to stop calling ourselves unschoolers. We had to homeschool in a way that resulted in learning. And that wasn't unschooling. As far as I could see, there was no way unschooling was ever going to work. Now, we might have been okay if we'd stopped right there. We might have discovered that cheating was another word for strewing. And strewing is an integral part of unschooling. But we didn't. I got distracted by other ideas. I met other homeschoolers who were doing things differently from us. I heard about Charlotte Mason and classical homeschooling, unit studies and notebooking. There were many different ways to homeschool. I felt excited which one would suit us best. By this time, homeschooling books were becoming more popular. I bought as many as I could, and I pondered lots of questions. What are the basics of a good education? Are old ideas better than new ones? Are the classics important? Are some school subjects more important than others? Do kids pass through different learning stages? What books should our kids read? Should our kids have the ability to listen? Is memorization important? Is narration a valuable skill? Are short lessons more effective than long ones? Is copy work a good learning tool? Perhaps making notes helps kids to pick out the main points of a particular subject. If they make impressive looking books, does this help kids value their knowledge? Should learning be fun? Should it be challenging? And while I was pondering, I experimented. My poor children. They were my educational guinea pigs. Yes, we tried all the different homeschooling methods. I was always full of enthusiasm as I put a method into action. I found the right resources, put the system into place, and then hoped that my kids would soon be producing impressive work, indicating that they were indeed receiving a wonderful education. And my children did produce some impressive work. They put together interesting lap books and beautiful nature journals. They enjoyed hundreds of living books, including many classics. They got excited by music and art. They loved Shakespeare and poetry. But despite these successes, no method lasted very long. We found it hard to keep following the necessary steps. Do we really have to do this? Learning soon became a chore, and we'd start battling with each other. I then knew it was time for a change. Perhaps we should try another homeschooling method. Should we return to one we'd already tried? Would it be different this time around?
Once again, I'd start reading and researching and thinking. Homeschooling was turning out to be a lot more complicated than I'd first imagined. With my confidence ebbing away, I faced the fact that none of the homeschooling methods was working. I knew it was time to stop experimenting before my relationship with my kids was damaged beyond repair. So I gave up trying to follow someone else's ideas and decided to do things my way. I threw out the things that weren't working for us one by one. We rejected narration, memorization, spelling lists, and reading the right books in the right way. I no longer insisted that my kids fulfilled other people's expectations, but started listening to them. What were their needs? What was important to them? What were they interested in? Gradually, our homeschooling developed into what I called doing our own thing. We read lots of books and follow our interests, I'd say in a vague kind of way, whenever anyone asked what method of homeschooling we were using. Of course, by that time, we weren't actually using a method. We had found our way back to unschooling. The second time around, I understood unschooling better. I realised that not interfering with a child's natural learning process doesn't mean stepping completely back and leaving her to learn entirely on her own. It was quite okay for me to tempt my children with different resources, ideas and experiences. Strewing is an integral part of unschooling. These days, we're living a rich and interesting life. As a consequence of that, my children are learning. They're learning what's important to them, what they feel they need to know. Their education isn't restricted to what someone else thinks is valuable. They don't need an artificial system imposed on them for learning to take place. My children are learning in a natural way. When my daughter Sophie was 15, she said, My friend Emma has to finish her schoolwork for the day before she can do all those things she's really interested in. I'm glad we don't have to do that. I'd never have time to do the things that are important to me. Sophie's words remind me of something I read in an article called Unschooling 101 by Bridget Bentz Sizer. Unschooling advocate Sandra Dodd describes a typical unschool day as the best ever Saturday. The day people dream about when they are stuck in school. Deciding not to use the homeschooling method might sound difficult. If you choose to unschool, you won't have a set of steps put together by someone else to follow. Things won't be neat and tidy. You might have to give up your ideas about what a good education looks like and how children learn. All this could be a bit scary. But if you unschool, you might end up with a week full of the best ever Saturdays. Doesn't that sound good? Does unschooling work? 
Living a life full of Saturdays sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But can we afford to let our kids live without the other days of the week? Will they really learn all they need to know to be successful in later life? Or will we jeopardize their futures if we unschool? I suppose the big question is, does unschooling work? Perhaps you're wondering how unschooling children turn out. Do they gain the skills that will let them do what they like with their lives? Do they get good grades? Will they be able to compete with school leavers and other homeschoolers, especially the ones who have used a structured curriculum and go on to study at university? In other words, do they get a good education? Yes, they do. If an unschooler wants to go to university, he or she will get there. I have five young adults and they've all studied at university level without any problems. My eldest son Duncan has a Bachelor of Arts degree in communications as well as a Masters of Teaching, primary. He's also a qualified chef. Imogen has a Bachelor of Arts degree in professional writing and publishing. And Charlotte is currently finishing a Bachelor of Arts degree majoring in digital design. Two of my other young adults completed part of a university degree with success before deciding to go along other pathways. So how did my children get into university? As unschoolers, they followed their passions. Then later, they decided to study these passions at a higher level at university. They knew more than enough about their subjects to pass some preliminary university units and be accepted onto the courses of their choice. Their enthusiasm helped too. But is following passions enough? Will our unschoolers know all they need to succeed in life? Will they have all the basics? I guess it depends on what we mean by basics. What is the essential knowledge that our children should have? There are many different educational curricula, which makes me think that no one can agree what is essential knowledge and what isn't. We can't make a list of basics that will satisfy everyone. We could decide for ourselves what is necessary for a good education, or we could let our kids decide what's important to them by allowing them to follow their interests and their passions. By doing this, they will retain their curiosity and love of learning. I think that's enough to ensure our children will be successful in life. John Holt said, since we can't know what knowledge will be most needed in the future, it is senseless to try to teach it in advance. Instead, we should try to turn out people who love learning so much and learn so well that they will be able to learn whatever needs to be learnt. The world is changing very fast. In 10 years, it will be very different from today's world. How can we prepare our kids for a world we don't know about. We can't, but what we can do is give our children a love of learning, encourage them to be self-motivated learners. Then when they don't have the knowledge that they need, 
They'll know how to go about gaining it. They'll have the necessary enthusiasm for chasing that information or skill. Unschoolers won't be at a disadvantage. I think they'll be well ahead. There's another reason why kids should be allowed to develop their talents. If we let them, they'll use these talents to do important work, work that will affect others. They'll do something that will make a difference to the world. We also want our children to become people who care about others, who will be full of love and compassion, who know right from wrong. We want to have good relationships with them, feel connected to them. Have them want to be part of our lives. We want our kids to become the people they are meant to be and to fulfill their missions in life. And this is what unschooling is really all about. So, summing up, if we want our kids to acquire life skills, develop their unique talents, be able to get into university if that's what they want to do, have a love of learning which will help them cope with an unknown future, be their unique selves, be happy and confident, value family life and have good relationships with us, know right from wrong, be open to our values and beliefs, be able to think for themselves, live a purposeful life, become the people they are meant to be. Then we can say that unschooling works. Three, what unschooling looks like. What is unschooling all about? When we first started homeschooling as unschoolers, I did a lot of standing back. I waited for my children to discover interesting things on their own. I expected the house to fill with impressive projects, but nothing much happened. After a while, I decided that we need to expose our children to the possibilities. I had to surround them with a rich and varied environment. I also had to provide them with an example of learning. And so I started looking for interesting resources to strew in my children's pathway, though I didn't call it strewing. I had never heard of that particular word. I also started learning with my kids, showing them that everyone learns, not just school-aged children. We have to be willing to do everything we'd like our children to do. We can't just say, go off and learn something. We have to provide an example of what learning is all about, especially in the early years. Maybe that doesn't sound right. Aren't children born naturally curious and eager to learn? We play with our babies and surround them with a stimulating environment and applaud their every little development. But then they get to a certain age and we stop doing these things. Maybe that's the problem. I spend a lot of time with my younger girls. I read to them. They read to me. I am willing to help them with any projects they want to do. I share my passions with them. 
I suggest activities and offer resources. Perhaps the child achieves more if she has an interested person to call upon to share and help when necessary. That person needs to show they value that child's learning. It is real work. So I am not stepping back and keeping out of my children's way. But this doesn't mean I don't give them their own space to process what they've learnt, figure out things on their own, or just rest. We have to be sensitive and balance our involvement and enthusiasm with our children's needs at any particular moment. I have noticed that as my children get older, they naturally move away from me. Yes, there comes a time when they are keen to stride ahead on their own pathways without waiting for me. Often they will pause and want to share what they've discovered. Occasionally they may hit a problem. If they can't solve it for themselves, I can help guide them to a solution. They may just want me to obtain some necessary resources for them or ideas for further investigation. This is where Charlotte, who is 15, is at the moment. I rarely see Charlotte when she is busy with her learning. She might appear at lunchtime eager to share something she is working on. She might want a suggestion for a suitable book to read. She will look at anything I strew, but she won't automatically decide to use it. She has her own ideas about what she wants to do. And I let her learn what she wants, how she wants, and when she wants. I have full confidence that by giving her the freedom to direct her own education, she will achieve her goals. But the younger girls? I am under their control. Will you read to us, please, Mum? Can we go to the library, please? Could you show me how to use the sewing machine? Can you explain? Do you know how this works? Can we do? They are full of their own ideas. I'd like to find out more about the Titanic. I want to learn how to draw people more realistically. And cars. I'd really like to learn how to play a longer piano piece like the bigger girls. So I am here to help my children do what they would like to do. And they are willing to listen to my suggestions. I found a TV program about the planets. Would you like to watch it? This looks interesting. Do you want to have a look at? Listen, watch, try this. The girls also go off and do things totally on their own. I was reading about Renoir. I made some more jigsaws of his paintings. I've been writing. I had a new idea for a story. I've been playing some computer games. I decided to try and make a mind map. I know that Sophie, 11, and Gemma Rose, 8, will gradually go off more and more by themselves as they get older. One day I will say, I haven't seen you all morning. Tell me what you're working on. I guess I will miss the girls and I will have to entice them back with such suggestions as I feel like watching Henry V. Do you want to join me?
and knowing my girls, they will drop whatever they are doing so they can sit with me on the sofa for an afternoon of Shakespeare. For who can resist sharing a play with fellow enthusiasts? Or I will say, does anyone want to go for a run with me? Before I know it, the girls will be lacing up their shoes. Despite individual interests, we still have many shared passions. Spending time together, sharing passions, being interested in each other, learning together, encouraging and helping each other, delighting together as we discover new things, and enjoying being a family. I never imagined this is what unschooling is all about. But it is. Aren't you glad we don't have to step back from our kids' learning, but can get involved instead? How unschooling differs from school learning. My children are curious people. They ask questions. They ponder. They search for answers. They want to know about all kinds of things, such as what happens when a volcano erupts. Who was the first person to fly in a plane? And what is it like at the South Pole? A lot of these things are part of a school's syllabus, but that's irrelevant to my children. Unlike school kids, my children don't think in terms of school subjects. They don't say, I'm not interested in that because it's history or geography or science. It doesn't matter to them that the education authorities have reduced fascinating topics to required school syllabus subjects. They regard everything in the world as potential sources of wonderful learning experiences. Gemma Rose and I are chatting. Do you know that there are four different species of kookaburra? I don't. I've only ever seen laughing kookaburras. They sit on our backyard fence. Their calls are the sound of our local bush. Gemma Rose and I discuss the birds' defining features. We wonder, are kookaburras related to kingfishers? How many species of kookaburra live in Australia? And why haven't I heard about the blue-winged kookaburra before? I ask Gemma Rose where she was reading about kookaburras, and she answers, on the internet. She had a question about something else, so she did some googling. One interesting thing led to another, and now she knows more about kookaburras than she used to. I want to know more, too. I want to see a photo of the kookaburra with the blue wings. I'm going to do some googling of my own. And, Mum, do you know how cats purr? After I read about kookaburras, I followed another link. Gemma Rose tells me about vocal cords and air and vibrations and how cats might purr when they're nervous. Just like nervous people will sometimes smile. Classifying birds and vibrating vocal cords are science. But Gemma Rose isn't thinking, I'm doing science. She's just satisfying her curiosity. She is learning because she is interested in our fascinating world. Just like me. So on the surface, 
and schooling might look similar to school learning. Dig deeper and you'll find out it is very different. Is unschooling just living life? I once heard an unschooler say, I live my life, my children live theirs. So is unschooling just living life, or is there more to it than that? At the beginning of the week, we had five empty days stretched ahead of us. There was lots of time to do whatever we wanted. I imagined us pursuing our individual projects, as well as doing some things together. Perhaps we could use the new resources I'd recently found. But the week didn't turn out as I'd expected. We had medical appointments to attend. I had to post some parcels and letters without delay. There were items to buy. Unexpected things happened. I found myself in the car going to and from town. I also walked to the village a few times. So I haven't been able to stay home and spend time with my girls doing all the things I had anticipated. The other day as we were walking back from the village after having done some errands, I said to Gemma Rose, It's just as well you don't go to school because we don't have time for it. It's also just as well my girls don't do structured homeschooling because we don't have time for that either. Life would be getting in the way of school. It's just as well we learn from everything that happens in our lives. You might have heard that unschooled kids learn just by living life. But is it really that simple? Do we just get up each day and see what the day offers and learn from it? We could, but I think there's a bit more to unschooling than that. Yes, there's always something we can learn from whatever is happening around us. But sometimes life does get too quiet. And I can see that there are times where my girls yearn for more excitement. They need bigger learning experiences. Sometimes, so do I. We might feel we're in a bit of a rut. Everyday life isn't enough. Our minds want more. At these times, we construe. We can enrich our children's and our own lives by looking for some new experiences and resources. So I search for things that we can watch, read or play together. I suggest a few outings. I also share thoughts and ideas which usually lead to some interesting discussions. Strewing can put a spark back into life. But, of course, there are times in our lives when we don't need to strew. Life is exciting enough on its own. Occasionally, it's too exciting. Maybe we'd rather life were more ordinary. There could be a crisis in the family or our immediate environment that we have to deal with, like a bushfire burning on our doorstep. A few years ago, a fire started a few kilometres down the road from our village and then spread over thousands of hectares of land. It lapped the bush at the end of our road. For several weeks we had firefighters on our street and we were on alert for evacuation. It took many weeks for the fire to be contained and put out. During the height of the fire, we spent our days at home keeping up with the fire reports. 
Our thoughts were focused on the emergency in which we found ourselves. It was difficult to turn our minds to ordinary things, like the books we were reading or the videos we were watching. Instead of doing our usual things together, my head was constantly in my computer, keeping up with the latest news on the crisis. But even though I wasn't spending much time with my girls, I could see that they were still learning. The bushfire presented them with lots of learning experiences, including bushfire safety, the regeneration of the bush after a fire, and safety within our home. The girls talked to firefighters and watched water-bombing helicopters. All these things encouraged discussion and research about all kinds of fire-related topics. We didn't learn much about anything other than the fire, but that was okay. So I didn't do any strewing. I didn't go looking for learning experiences. I didn't have to. Life was too exciting as it was. My girls were learning, and I had lots to record in my homeschooling records book. When life is rich and exciting, I don't think we need to worry at all about education. Of course, bushfires aren't the only potential learning opportunities. Life is also very full when we're looking after babies, dealing with medical issues, moving house, enjoying the company of friends, catching up with housework and shopping, or filming a music video for a sister. At these times, we don't need to enrich our children's lives. They are rich enough already. So is unschooling just about living our life? Yes, when life is full and interesting. The Curriculum of Life Of course, even without strewing, our days contain many learning experiences. If we look carefully, we might discover all kinds of interesting questions to ponder. What curriculum are you using this year? The girls and I are going to be using the curriculum of life. Surely day-to-day -day life doesn't provide many learning experiences. Most days are the same, aren't they? And perhaps this is true, unless we regain our sense of awe and wonder about life and keep alert. How often do we wander from day to day without asking any questions? I am sure we miss many opportunities to muse and ponder and take delight in what's around us. On Friday, the repairman came to fix our washing machine. After hand-washing our clothes for nearly three weeks, I certainly took great delight in a washing machine restored to perfect working order. And the delight may have ended there, except Sophie, 13, said... We won't have to hang dripping clothes on the lane anymore. No more soggy clothes. I wonder how the machine makes them so dry. We found ourselves talking about centrifugal forces, which led to other forces such as gravity. We mentally visited a playground and an amusement park. We rode the roller coaster and slipped over on an iced-over lake. Then the best bit of all. 
I told the girls an old story of when I used to work in a research lab in a university. They love hearing stories of my life before children. I described how I used a centrifuge to separate the contents of my test tubes. Later that same day, Sophie and I were making yogurt, and we did some more wondering. It started when Sophie wondered if her batch of yogurt would be a success. Perhaps it would end up runny like a few of our recent yogurt-making attempts. Could the yogurt culture be alive? Is it similar to yeast? What is it exactly? After we determined that yogurt culture is bacteria and is indeed alive, we then talked about how we have microbes living within us. I won't describe how we moved on to worms. That was rather an icky story. We are having a solar hot water system installed in a few days' time. Andy is busy putting down some paving stones for the water tank to stand on. It's a big tank, lots of hot water, and we won't have to pay for it. Soon we were discussing the advantages of solar hot water. We compared clean renewable energy sources to that generated by electricity power stations. Someone even remembered the wind power farm we saw near Canberra. The discussion went all over the place. Oh my, I'm sure we covered a huge part of the school curriculum in one conversation without even trying. But we could have done even better. Andy and I did the initial research when we were trying to decide which solar hot water system to buy. Perhaps we should have included our children in the discussion. We could have shared the maths too when we were working out the bills and wondering if we should use some of our extra mortgage payments to buy the system. Electricity came up again when someone noticed that some appliances have a two-pronged plug while others are three-pronged. Why? I had another old story to tell. When I was a teenager, we lived in England for a while. The appliances there were sold without plugs. We'd have to buy one and fit it before we could use whatever we'd bought. I then described the wires inside the cords and how they are attached to the plug. The girls were very interested, because it's very different from their own experiences. This morning, on the way home from Mass, we were discussing some statistics that had been published in our parish bulletin. They had been taken from the last census and described the Catholic population in our two local parishes. We found ourselves comparing numbers. We tried to work out why some figures were higher for one parish than the other. We talked about percentages and made some predictions about our growing Catholic community. We did some real-life maths while we travelled home from church. There are learning experiences everywhere. I bet there's a whole wealth of them in our supermarket trolley. Sophie asked me the other day if I read labels. Do I read labels? Oh yes, all the time. The girls are sewing dolls. I bet there are lots of things to discuss there. Jimmy Rose asked me to buy her a piece of black felt so that she could make her doll's eyes. 
But does she know what felt is exactly? And how does the synthetic variety differ from the real stuff? And how does a ball of wool end up multicolored? I would like to know the answer to that question. And when we look at a paper dressmaking pattern, what exactly do the imperial measurements, the ones we usually ignore, mean? Do you think anyone could learn anything while doing the housework? How about the action of bleaches and disinfectants? And stain removers? Then there's static electricity and dusting. How do vacuum cleaners work? Oh dear, if we muse too long, we'll never get the cleaning finished. Musing too long. Turning everything into a lesson could be overwhelming. Asking questions that we expect our children to answer might dampen their curiosity. Oh no, mum's asking questions again. I could easily have ruined a great trip to the animal sanctuary on Gemma Rose's birthday by turning the outing into an excursion. Now mum's giving us a lecture. And I wouldn't want to force my children to listen when they'd rather learn about something else. But idly pondering on an equal basis can be very enjoyable. Taking the time to talk together about anything and everything. And telling stories. I reckon stories are a wonderful way to share. They fix things into our memories without any effort at all. And the best stories, according to my children, are the ones I tell about my own experiences especially if they belong to another time and place. I think I will get out my homeschool records book and jot down all the things I have just mentioned. I'm sure we covered a lot of the school curriculum without even meaning to, which is rather useful as we have to fulfill certain homeschooling registration requirements. Why make complicated lesson plans? All I need to do is share all the experiences that happen every day around us, just in case my children are interested, and be willing to answer all the questions they are always asking, and then write it all down in my book at the end of the day. And, of course, if the day does look like it's going to be rather ordinary and boring, and no one has any ideas of their own about what to do, there's always truing. That's good too. I'm saying good night to Sophie and Gemma Rose. Before I turn out their bedroom light, Sophie smiles and says, I really enjoyed talking to you today, Mum. Didn't we have some interesting conversations? We certainly did. A typical unschooling day. Years ago, after I'd finished reading an unschooling book, I'd think, yes, I can see you trust your kids will learn all they need to know, but what do they do each day? I couldn't imagine unschooling in action. So that's why I'm including some typical unschooling day stories in this book. You'll find them sprinkled in among the other ones. Is there really such a thing as a typical unschooling day? Well, unschooling does look different in different families. And even within one family, unschooling can look different on different days. 
but I think these stories are representative of our family's unschooling life. As time passes and my children grow and their needs change, our days gradually assume a different appearance. My typical unschooling day stories reflect this dynamic nature of unschooling. I wrote a typical unschooling day at a time when my children were learning maths in a formal way. I convinced myself that my girls loved doing maths. They chose to work on their online courses. I didn't want to face the fact that this might not be the true situation, because how would we fulfill the maths requirements for homeschooling registration if we didn't have any worksheets or online course results to present to the education department? Sometimes we look at situations through half-closed eyes, not wanting to see things clearly. However, I did eventually examine the maths problem, and we made changes. I will share more details in my Unschooling Maths section. We started our day with prayers at 8am. We like gathering together as a family before we all go our separate ways. It gives us not only a chance to pray together and read the Bible, but also an opportunity to talk over everyone's plans for the coming day. Who's going where and when? Who needs a lift where and when? Who's home for dinner? And to find answers to important questions like, What should we have for dinner tonight? It's very cold here today. After prayers, the girls and I headed to the family room and the gas heater and some maths. After doing some maths, Sophie, 10, wrote some emails. Then she pondered spelling. She said, I don't think I need to know how to spell the word thong. It's a word I'm never going to use. I hate thongs. I can't walk in them. This started a discussion about thongs, the footwear and not the underwear. And I told a story of my younger days. My grandmother gave me a pair of Indian leather thongs and I very foolishly took them with me on a university field trip to Spain. One sunny morning, I decided the thongs would be the ideal footwear for the beautiful weather. A few hours later, I changed my mind. I was totally fed up with trying to keep the thongs on my feet while walking along as if I didn't have a care in the world. I really could have thrust the thongs into the nearest garbage bin and walked barefoot. So we decided that the big question was, why can some people walk in thongs, but we can't? Are Elva's feet different from everyone else's? Not having any other people around to do some experiments on, we moved on to reading. The girls love listening while I read. They snuggle up under blankets, together with the cats, and enjoy. At the moment, we're reading Ballet Shoes and Ramona the Pest. They saw the movie recently. And a historical fiction book about the Eureka Stockade. Morning tea time. Check our emails time. Time for a bit of blogging. Imogen, 16, said, Now you're an XX blogger, Mum. I'd been considering deleting all my blogs, but I changed my mind. You need to write a blog post. We want to write posts as well. So for the next hour and a half, 
we typed away, each at our own computers. We found our cameras, downloaded and compressed photos, and added them to our blog posts. Then everyone sat back for a short, restful and satisfying moment before returning to our computers to check out each other's blog stories. Lots of compliments and a few tactful suggestions later, I suddenly noticed it was lunchtime. We prepared sandwiches to the accompaniment of all the funny bits out of the movie Singing in the Rain, which we'd watched together on Monday evening. Do you want cheese? No, no, no. Or would you rather have peanut butter? Yes, yes, yes. And then some amusing tongue-twister thing about noses and roses. It's amazing how easily my kids pick up and remember things from movies. After a quick lunch and clean-up, we gathered our library books and headed into town. Imogen had a two-hour house-cleaning job, and while she was busy, I took the other girls to a library two towns away that we rarely visit. A whole library of fresh books. We were in paradise. We staggered back to the van with 20 books each, and then it was time for the afternoon tea we'd packed in our basket. We discovered a playground where I could park the van alongside the equipment. This allowed the sensible soft people, Charlotte, 13, and I, to stay in the van and read our newly borrowed library books, while the tougher ones, Sophie and Gemma Rose, 7, ventured out into the wind to play on the swings and get some exercise. We collected Imogen, who had newly earned money to add to her growing by my own car fund, and headed home. Walking through the door, the delicious smell of a red wine and beef casserole greeted us, which I omitted to say the older girls prepared first thing this morning. Imogen and Charlotte cooked some polenta and vegetables in between practicing the piano and completing musicianship exercises. The rest of us did a quick tidy up. Andy arrived home from school and the whole family gathered around the table for dinner. This evening, everyone has dispersed. I am writing. Andy is preparing lessons for his class for tomorrow. Some of the girls are reading and some are drawing. And what the boys are doing is anyone's guess. And that is our day. I omitted all the less impressive things, like how the ironing is still not done and how I still haven't sorted out some household paperwork or organised dental appointments or haircuts. So that was the first three parts of my unschooling book, Curious Unschoolers. As I said in the introduction to this podcast, let me know what you think. I hope that you enjoyed those stories. I have just one more thing that I want to share with you before I say goodbye today, and that is a review of this podcast. And I think it's by the same person who wrote that wonderful book review on Goodreads. Yes, Lauren Labra from USA. Lauren says, This is one of my absolute favorite parenting podcasts. Sue has the most wonderfully mystical, calming voice, and I love hearing her advice on unschooling and parenting gently and lovingly. I feel instantly relaxed and reassured in my parenting choices every time I listen to the podcast. 
it's often difficult to feel assured as an unschooling mum. But Sue keeps me feeling confident. Keep up the great work, Sue. I also love hearing your family's stories. It's lovely to hear little updates about your kids each episode. Can't wait to read your new book. Well, thank you, Lauren. Aren't people wonderful? I have, as I said, some brilliant friends. And if anybody else would like to write a review of my book or the podcast, I would really appreciate you doing that. It will help spread the word about unschooling. I don't know if I've got anything to put into some show notes, but if I find anything, then you will find the show notes on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. You can also find me on Instagram at Stories of an Unschooling Family, and I'm on YouTube at Sue Elvis. I made a couple of little videos in the week about my book. I put them on YouTube and also on Instagram. So if you haven't seen those and would like to, just hop over to Instagram, join me there, or go and follow me on YouTube. So that's all for episode 151. I'd like to thank you for listening today. And until next time, I hope that you have some wonderful unschooling adventures. And don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Bye.